Welcome back to the Hail Marys and Hoops podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pratt. You can find me on Twitter at Hotline Fantasy and as a social intern for DraftKings and the head of NFL for The Breakdown. Today, I'm joined by Anton Lee once again. Anton, how are you doing and are you ready to talk some football? Hi, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, Yes, I am. I've been looking forward to this today. Um, I think I have some pretty good takes and uh, pretty excited. All right. Sounds good. Today, we're going to be ranking our top 14 teams in the NFL for the 2021 season, seven for each conference. For the record, this is not a playoff preview. We are not going to factor in divisions in here. So you're not going to be seeing any NFC East teams in the top four uh, like they were the last couple of years. We're just going to be breaking down each team or each conference and the seven best teams for each conference. All right. We're going to start with the NFC, work our way down from seven to one. Anton, I'll let you go for it. All right. So at number seven, I have the Chicago Bears. And the reason why I have the Chicago Bears is because what I've noticed is that from the last few years of watching them play with, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, Nick Foles, all the Bears need is consistent quarterback play. Matt Nagy gets a lot of flag. They kind of always say, oh, fire Nagy, fire Nagy. But I think he is actually a brilliant offensive-minded coach. I mean, if you watch some of the, some of the, of the games, he's scheming people wide open, but you know, Mitchell Trubisky just, you know, he's so inconsistent, doesn't, you know, he plays it so safe, just checks it down all the time. Um, he doesn't, I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't see it. Um, they have one of the best defenses in the whole league. Um, and th- that was actually one of the reasons they were in a lot of the games last season. Um, and now they added Justin Fields with the 11th pick. And I was surprised by how far he had dropped in the in the draft. You know, if you go back, maybe like in five years, we look back and we say, you know, how come Justin Fields went like 12th, right? The Niners had a chance to take him, and I thought he was actually a perfect fit for their for their system. Um, but, you know, he absolutely balled out in that championship game against Clemson. Uh, his deep ball is great. He's incredibly athletic. Um, and I'm excited to see what Matt Nagy can do with him. So that's why they're my number seven team uh, this year. Yeah, you know, I almost threw in the Bears. And the thing with Justin Fields is I'm really high on him too. But you look at the reservations that some teams may have. He had some uh, medical questions coming out um, before the draft. And then obviously you look at the system he was in, Ohio State. It doesn't necessarily produce a lot of NFL quarterbacks that succeed. In fact, I don't think it's really produced any NFL quarterbacks that succeed. Mm, So. You know, you really can't look too into this system there because Justin Fields, one of the most talented quarterbacks I've seen coming into the draft process in a while. I think he's going to do great in Chicago. And I know that a lot of Bears fans are trying to get him in there early. I say let him sit for at least half the season behind Andy Dalton. There's no need to rush. You look at teams like the Jets who have been rushing in rookie quarterbacks. They did it with Sam Darnold. They're going to do it again with Zach Wilson. And it has a tendency to backfire. So, if I am Matt Nagy, I know he's got some organizational pressure, some pressure from the fans, so we might have to throw them in there a little earlier than he should, but I would let Justin Fields sit and learn behind a very willing mentor from what it seems like in Andy Dalton. So I think it's a great situation for him to land. Moving on to number seven, I'm going on. I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. And I really didn't know who to go with at this point, to be honest, but I ended up giving a shout-out to Jeremy here who was on the podcast last episode. Uh, That's his favorite team besides the Patriots. When you look at Minnesota, their offense is incredible. 
They have three elite playmakers in Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, and in my opinion, an underrated quarterback in Kirk Cousins. I know if you asked Jeremy, he would certainly say he's underrated as well as many Vikings fans, but you look at their negatives. Defense, it was a huge problem last year, but that improved this offseason. They added Dalvin Tomlinson. They both they bolstered the secondary, which was a huge issue with Pat Pete, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Woods. If that defense can become just serviceable again, that offense has enough firepower to make them a playoff team. So those are our two teams at number seven for the NFC. Moving on to number six, Anton, go for it. Uh, at number six, I have the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, so in the draft this year, they added two studs in Marco Wilson and uh, Tay Gowen to fill in those gaps, you know, that uh, Patrick Peterson and Drake or Patrick left uh, behind. And then they also added uh, J.J. Watt to play alongside Chandler Jones, who, in my opinion, is one of uh, one of the kind of slept on edge rushers in the league. Um, and who knows? Maybe Isaiah Simmons uh, may make the leap that uh, may make the leap this year because, you know, he didn't have to deal with COVID uh, situations. And, you know, maybe he has a full offseason, a full minicamp. Um, and maybe those things uh, contribute to him playing a little better than he did last season. He's a little bit disappointing, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins showed a great connection last season. I mean, they were one of the uh, elite duos and hooked up for one of the greatest, I swear, one of the best plays last season with that uh, the Hail Mary uh, to beat the Bills. Um, but, and, you know, they also added uh, this, you know, Rondell Moore out of Purdue, you know, another weapon for of Kyler Murray to uh, look for in the field. But, Quite honestly, in my opinion, their ranking all comes down to Cliff Kingsbury. You know, he is sort of in the hot seat this year, in my opinion, right? He's he came out and he was supposed to be this new phenom, sort of like a like a Sean McVay, young offensive minded type. But he had quite he hasn't quite put it together, and his team is stacked. It's pretty loaded, and um, I this is this is the year for him. I mean, this is year three. If he doesn't put it together this year, then um, who knows if he'll still be the coach in Arizona next year. But uh, regardless of all that, I still have the Cardinals at number six uh, for my preseason rankings. Anton, you know, I'll get to the Cardinals a little bit later down in this list, but I have to say I agree with a lot of points you made, um, especially about Cliff Kingsbury. But as I said, I'll touch on that in a bit. At number six, I have the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago with everyone healthy. Now, most of those guys will be back after a down year where they saw a ton of key guys go down. The question is, how long will Jimmy G be under center? That's going to be a weekly storyline in San Francisco, and I think inconsistency at quarterback, it will probably give them some issues, you know? Both guys are going to be learning the system. Both guys are going to be getting reps with the number one team and developing rapports with wide receivers, tight ends, although I'm not sure you have to develop a rapport with George Kittle. You kind of just throw the ball his way and he'll get it done. Um, but yeah, inconsistency at quarterback and who's going to be the guy getting reps and the pressure from outside and in the organization to get Trey Lance in for being such a dry, high draft pick. I think it's going to cause some problems in San Francisco. They'd probably be a little bit higher if it was just Jimmy G., running it back, but yeah, I'm going to have the 49ers at six. Moving on to five, Anton, kick it off. So this one was a little bit tough for me, and it was actually a toss-up between two teams, and I ended up going with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, the NFC West is one of the scariest divisions in football, and actually all the teams in that division are on this uh, or in this ranking. And what 
is okay so here's the thing they have russell wilson right and he's a generational talent he's an outstanding leader both on the field and off right he's actually the all-time winningest quarterback in the uh in history and a player's first nine seasons with 102 wins and if you just kind of think about that that's incredible because it means every season he's going to get you 10 wins which is you know that's that means you're always going to be in playoff contention you're always going to be you know in the in the hunt for the super bowl so when you have a guy like this right you're always going to be in contention and not to mention that you know dk DK and Tyler Lockett are absolute beasts for absolute weapons for him. You know, DK made a huge leap last season and showed why he, you know, he could be a true number one, right? He was drawing a lot of those double teams. He was, um, you know, he was, he's, he's a really reliable deep threat. He can go up and get the ball um, and he can win a lot of one-on-one matchups. Um, and Tyler Lockett, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's not, not necessarily the biggest guy, but, you know, he just always has that, he just it always feels like he's always open, you know what I'm saying? And um and those two are gonna absolutely wreak havoc on some defenses. Um, but quite honestly, their only question mark is their defense. You know, um they don't really have anyone. I mean, Jamal Adams is a is a great player, but uh looking back on that tray where they gave up, you know, those four firsts and everything, is Jamal Adams really playing at that level? That at that level, like he was in uh in uh in New York. I mean, yeah, sure, he gets a lot of those sacks, you know, from uh from rushing in, but uh, I'm just not sure. Uh, but regardless, I still have the Seahawks at number five. They have Russell Wilson, and you just can't ignore that. Fair enough. Uh, as was the same case for you with the Cardinals, I will be touching on the Seahawks a little bit later. Coming in at number five for me, I have Washington. The Washington football team, whatever you want to call them. It sounds like they're going to be getting a new name soon. Whatever they are, I love them this year. They were a top three, four defense in the league last year, and they really bolstered their offense this offseason. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, he's a gunslinger. And then they added a big-time playmaker in Curtis Samuel, someone who right now probably getting overhyped in the fantasy circles on Twitter But as a player, he's going to do a lot of good things for them. He's very versatile. He can be a deep threat. He can run out of the backfield. He can do just a ton of things. He is very versatile, going to do great stuff for Washington. Um, Terry McLaurin, he's emerged as one of the best young receivers in the game. Obviously, Logan Thomas broke out last year. Antonio Gibson, I think, is going to take the next step. And even if he doesn't, he's dealing with a little bit of a turf toe issue. That is still stemming from last year, so something to be slightly concerned about. But if he's not 100%, J.D. McKissick showed he's a very capable back as well to step in and handle a large workload. Bottom line, if Fitzmagic balls out, this team could be deadly. So I'm rolling with Washington at five. And number four, Anton, I guess I'll just jump right into it because it's a team we already touched on. It's the Arizona Cardinals. I'm really just going to reiterate what you said here. Judging the Cardinals is tough because they're extremely talented, but you have to temper expectations as long as Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach of this team because he consistently puts them in a situation to fail. I mean, if he's better this year, the sky is the limit for this team, and specifically the offense. I'm a huge Chase Edmonds fan. I think he complements Kyler Murray perfectly. They can probably get something out of James Conner. They brought him in on a prove-it deal. They added A.J. Green in free agency and a very and a very talented Rondale Moore in the second round out of Purdue. As you said, I'm rolling with Arizona at four. Anton, go for it. You know, I can't believe I forgot about 
Washington. I mean, they are a really scary team the more that I think about it. I mean, the Browns played them last year, and I was surprised. You know, if it wasn't for uh, Dwayne Haskins just throwing three terrible interceptions, they might have won that game. Um, I mean, they have a pretty fierce defensive line and everything. But aside from that, uh, number four, I have uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, people forget how scary this team was before they were wrecked by injuries last year. Like, you know, like you mentioned, they lost Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa. Um, but they have a pretty outstanding defense and unbelievable depth in that tight end room. I mean, Jordan Reed, you know, he was uh, like, a, he was maybe one of the best tight ends in the league only like maybe five years ago. Um, and they also have a mastermind in Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that guy can take any running back, any a quarterback and make them look elite. I mean, his, 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 his run schemes, um, you know, they're all so creative Uh, I'm really excited to see uh, what he can do. And not to mention, right, you know, Trey Lance, you know, uh, they they traded up to get Trey Lance in the in the draft. Um, And quite honestly, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo's. I'm kind of actually I think he's actually kind of limited and he kind of holds back their team to some degree, uh, much to the chagrin of many 49ers fans. But exhibit A is that uh, that third and 15 uh, in the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, He has Emmanuel Sanders wide open, but throws him, you know, throws the ball five yards too deep. Um, and I think if, if Jimmy G is, uh, is an actually elite quarterback, he makes that throw, but he doesn't. Um, so I'm actually hoping that at some point in the year, Trey Lance comes in and they, they're saying that maybe he doesn't play this season at all, but Trey Lance, you know, he's big guy. He can, he can, he can move, uh, you know, he, he can, he can make tight throws, I think Trey Lance is a really special quarterback. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, players like, uh, uh, players like, I can't, I don't know why I'm blanking right now, but uh, like, like Josh Allen, you know, big talented guys, you can, you don't have, then maybe they're not the most polished players, but you can turn them into, uh, you can basically use their strengths uh, to, you know, to tear apart defenses. And I think that's, that's, that's what Trey Lance will do for the 49ers. So I got the 49ers at number four. Uh, I think they're going to make a really strong resurgence this season. Sounds good. We're going to move on to number three. But before we do, I think you mentioned Jordan Reed in there somewhere. Unfortunately, he did have to retire this oh. offseason due to concussions. Yeah, that was a storyline that was kind of swept under the rug. Very unfortunate. Um, he, he's dealt with concussions throughout his career, a lot of injuries, and he was forced to hang it up. It shouldn't cause too much problems uh, for that 49ers offense. They have three very capable pass catchers in Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle and Debo Samuel and a bunch of other guys coming in who can play their part. But yeah, Jordan Reed, unfortunately, is no longer with the team. Anton, I'm going to throw it back to you for number three. So, I I mean, this is a this is an interesting one for me because at number three, I have the Packers, right? And we have to take them as who they are now, right? Which is assuming Aaron Rodgers is still on the team. And he's been kind of, yeah, I mean, he's been kind of, you know, hinting sort of, not exactly addressing whether or not, you know, he's going to play. Like, during the match, uh, they asked him, oh, what are your plans for this offseason? He says, oh, I don't know. Um, but we have – besides that, he is one of the most talented uh, throwers of the football we've ever seen. Um, you know, sure, Tom Brady is the most winning – is, you know, one of the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he has the most Super Bowls and all those sort of things. But you cannot forget Aaron Rodgers' greatness, you know. I mean, for example, if you took Aaron Rodgers out of this, out of the Packers, and you just slipped in Jordan Love, you know, who had some questions about his rookie year. There's already been some grumblings about him in, uh, you know, the training camp. 
this, I think the Packers without Aaron Rodgers are barely a, a top 20 team. Um, but they also have, but they have those two beasts in, you know, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, two guys who killed me in fantasy last season. I couldn't believe it. Aaron Jones, I just felt like he always had a 30, 40 point game against me every week. Um, you know, and Devontae Adams is making a case, a legitimate case, uh, that he is probably the best receiver in the league. Um, so, you know, and also Aaron Rodgers can't really complain, you know, uh, he, he's like, oh, I need more help, whatever. But you have Devontae Adams, you have Aaron Jones, and they also addressed some big concerns uh, in the draft. You know, they picked up Eric Stokes in the first round, have some other guys to round out the offensive line. They also, I mean, they also added Amari Rodgers in the third round, but who knows if that'll make Rodgers happy. But, um, you know, aside from his clear uh, unhappiness in a situation, the Packers are still number, uh, still my number three team in the NFC. All right, so it's interesting that you went about creating this list with the uh, mindset of Aaron Rodgers being back because I actually did the opposite. Wow. And uh, I made sure to make a note that if Rodgers plays for Green Bay, they're sliding in at three for me as well. But I created this list, and then everyone behind them would slide down one peg. But I created this list um, with him not playing for them. I think it's more likely that he sits out or he's traded, that he suits out for Green Bay again. And it's very petty. You can call it what you want, but from everything we know about Aaron Rodgers, that's absolutely a believable move for him to make. Moving on, number three for me, the Seattle Seahawks. I told you I was going to bring him up again uh, when you talked when you touched on them earlier, Anton. But yeah, as I said, if Rodgers plays, Packers are in at three. He's not in my list, so Seahawks coming in here. Uh, Seattle... Really, they struggled at the end of last season, uh, but they brought in a legit weapon at tight end in Gerald Everett. He's severely underrated in my eyes. And on top of that, they bolstered their biggest hole, which was their defense. Bringing back Carlos Dunlap was huge. They added Kerry Hyder, who had eight and a half sacks with the 49ers last year. They took a flyer on Akella Witherspoon, who showed flashes at the end of last season with San Francisco as well. In reality, they improved their defense while maintaining their offensive firepower. By adding Everett, they retained Chris Carson. I'm not going to go too much further in them because you had a great breakdown of Seattle, Anton. But the main part is they have Russell Wilson. They bolstered their defense. If Green Bay doesn't play, I think they have a legit shot to make a push for this number three spot in the playoffs as well. All right, and we're down to our final two teams. Anton, I think we know what uh, both of these teams are. We'll see if we have them in the same or different order. I'll let you go first. Um, for me, at number two, I have the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I do as well. Yeah, you see, listen, people don't realize how good Matthew Stafford is. I think that's one of the one of the probably one of the people say, "Oh, the the Rams are not going to be that good because Matthew Stafford." But if you watched any of those games in Detroit, I mean, the only reason why Detroit was relevant for the last nine years or so is because of Matthew Stafford, right? Um, I remember, you know, whenever the Browns had to play the Lions, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy W, right? Even when, even when the Browns were terrible. But every year, the Lions would always kick our ass, honestly. I mean, it was because Matthew Stafford, I mean, he makes some unbelievable throws, like unbe- unbelievable. Like, in he, he I, saw, I saw some clips of him doing like these no-look stuff way back in like the, you know, 2016, but he just buried out there in Detroit. And now he's on the rounds. He's with Sean McVay, right? And they didn't really, I mean, they lost Troy Hill. They lost, uh, uh, 
I got him blanking. John Jones, not not John Jones. Um, in they lost, you know, some pieces of their defense, but they still have Aaron Donald, right? They're they were a playoff team last year, and now they have even better quarterback play. Um, so I mean, I don't know how you can't like the Rams this year. I think they're they're gonna be fantastic. Um, so yeah. No, I agree. I have the Rams at two as well, and I really wanted to put them at one, but mm. you know, when you got a defending Super Bowl champion, right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's kind of hard not to. And who retained literally everyone, everyone on yeah. their team? Yeah, it's kind of hard not to put them number one as well. But I seriously considered it, which just shows how good this Rams team is. And Anton, I won't go too further, uh, but really just. We know what they are on the defensive side of the ball. They're one of the best defenses in the league. And then on offense, the past couple of years, they've had really good pieces and weapons, but Jared Goff was hindering them. Yeah. They got a huge upgrade, upgrade, Anton. As you said, Matthew Stafford, people don't know how good he is because he's been stuck on a horrible Detroit Lions team for the entirety of his career. He's a really good quarterback, and he's going to be throwing to two elite options in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They drafted Tutu Atwell high. Van Jefferson looked good last year. Tyler Higby is Tyler Higby. He can catch a football. And Cam Akers looks like he's primed to step in and be the workhorse for this team. This might be the best offense in the National Football League uh, next year. So I think that the Rams hype is warranted. If I had to pick a team to be the Super Bowl champion this year, it would be the Los Angeles Rams right now. Moving on to number one. As I said, we both have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I won't go uh, too much into it. They won the Super Bowl, and they ran it back, literally. Antonio Brown can still be a contributor. Um, I'm a believer in him and his rapport with Tom Brady. I think we just saw them uh, start to get hot. I think Antonio Brown still has a lot left to give, which is terrifying considering he's the number three wide receiver on that team. Uh, Playoff Lenny is back. They brought in Gio Bernard, who's a very capable pass-catching back. Their defense remained intact. They deserve to be the number one team in the NFC until proven otherwise. Do you have anything to add on that? No, I mean, they have Tom Brady, you know, like, there's just two. I mean, they brought everyone back. I mean, how often does that happen? They they win the Super Bowl, bring back all 22 starters. I mean, it is. Maybe, is it the first time in history? I think it is. Um, I have no idea. I'll, we can look into this, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's actually outstanding that they brought back everybody. It means that everyone wants to play for this team. And, you know, when you have a guy like Tom Brady in your locker, you know, NFL legend, right, maybe the greatest football player in history, right, you're always going to be the number one threat in the, team, in the, in the league. So, I, I, you know, the Buccaneers, obviously, number one team in the NFC. All right. Those are our top seven NFC teams. We're going to be moving on to the AFC right now. Anton, since you let off last time, I'll lead off for the AFC this round, except for one of those teams, which I jumped you on. Uh, starting at number seven for me, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. It's no Ooh. secret to anyone who knows me. I'm not high on Baltimore. I really considered not including them in my list this year. Wow. But they did end up getting a spot at number seven. I look at it and I think, you know, they lost two key players this offseason. Matt Judon to the Patriots, Yannick Ngakwe to the Raiders. They did go out and bring in some talented guys on the offensive side of the ball. You got Juwan James from Denver, Kevin Zietler from the Giants. Um, but I just see the Ravens taking a step back this season, not forward. Lamar Jackson, he's not taking strides forward when throwing the ball, and he, he's a quarterback. And there are reasons that his contract negotiations with Baltimore has been held up so much. It's because they clearly, they're going to say publicly that they know he's the franchise guy moving forward for the next 10 years. But the fact is, the guy can't really throw the football that well. And not only that, we heard rumors 
all at the end of last year heading into the offseason. Baltimore is going to be serious players in the wide receiver market this year. Kenny Galladay to Baltimore. It makes way too much sense. You end up with Sammy Watkins as your prime wide receiver target in free agency. You don't upgrade the offense that much. You lose pieces on defense. In my opinion, this team is going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Anton, who's number seven for you? Number seven, um, I got the Colts. Um, you know, mm. the Colts were a really solid team last year. But okay, just for a second, though. You know, I'm not a huge on the Ravens either, but wow, number seven is, I think it's pretty low for the Ravens, in my opinion. But aside from that, you know, the the Colts, they added Carson Wentz, right? That was their big uh, big free uh, offseason acquisition, right? They have a really strong defense. They did lose uh, Anthony Walker uh, to the Browns, who had a really large presence in that locker room, especially on Darius Leonard. Um, but, you know, last year I feel like they were uh, held back a little bit uh, by their quarterback play with Phillip Rivers. You know, Phillip Rivers, he's a great quarterback, but can he drive the ball downfield? Not exactly, right? But now they have Carson Wentz, who is mega talented. You know, he's an unbelievable uh, – he has great arm talent. He can move in the pocket. Um, and on top of that, most importantly, he's uh, working with the same quarterback coach uh, in Frank Reich that he worked with in Philly when they went to the Super Bowl and, and won. Uh, well, he didn't play, obviously. But they have a solid backfield, um, and they were a scary team. I mean, they went to the, the playoffs and really challenged the Bills in the playoffs. And then they just upgraded the quarterback position. So I got to put the Colts uh, number seven. Fair enough. Moving on to number six, I have the Los Angeles Chargers. There may not be a bigger Justin Herbert fan than me. (laughs) Anton knows this. He lived with me for a year. I was so high on him coming back from his early days at Oregon, and he can truly elevate this offense to another level. That Phillip Rivers, to throw in Phillip Rivers, you talked about him with the Colts. He was with the Chargers for the entirety of his career. He couldn't bring the Chargers to that elite level in offense. Yes, they were very good. I think Justin Herbert is a generational talent. I think already he's the third best quarterback in this conference behind Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. He could be better than Josh Allen this year in my opinion. They're getting Austin Eckler back at full health after he was hurt for most of the year with a bad hamstring strain. Keenan Allen, I think, is the most underrated receiver in the NFL. He's top five for me. Mike Williams is a big play threat, and he's going to be getting a lot more targets this year with Hunter Henry gone. They did bring in Jared Cook, but I'm expecting Mike Williams, who's still young. He's had seasons where he's had a good amount of yards. He's had seasons where he's had a good amount of catches. He's a big yards per catch guy i think he's going to put that all together because justin herbert can really throw the deep ball this chargers team they had so many losses by a couple of points that went down to the very last play last year with another year of experience under center and a new head coach this chargers team is going to be a playoff team 100 percent. anton i'll throw it to you yeah you know I love Justin Herbert. I think he's 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 super talented. He's another one of those guys that shows you don't need to be a polished NFL ready quarterback as soon as you're drafted, right? They took what they took him they took him and they turned his strengths and they made an entire system around that. I think uh, the Chargers are a great team, but I actually don't have the Chargers on my on my top seven. Um, so at number six, I have uh, the the Miami Dolphins, right? You know, they did what they needed to do this year. They built around Tua, right? They they reunited him with Jalen Waddell uh, out of Alabama at a lot of depth in their tight end room with Hunter Long. They also added uh, one of the best edge uh, rushers in Jalen Phillips, who played you know at the U. Um, and they also have Jacoby Brissett. You know, he's a really strong presence, lock and great leader. I'm sure he can help Tua, um, you know, put it together this season. And, you know, 
like a lot of these sort of teams that I have in here, it all comes down to one guy, and it's Tua, right? Uh, they have the Miami has a great team. They have a really strong supporting cast around him. And there were moments last year when I was watching him, and I kind of questioned, you know, uh, you know, is this the guy that I saw at Alabama, right? He looked a little hesitant in the pocket. You know, maybe it was because he hasn't played an, an entire full uh, season that was injury-free. You know, he had to deal with, you know, the COVID restrictions and that sort of stuff. I'm sure that didn't help at all as a rookie coming to the league. Um but, you know, there were other times where I saw that Alabama Tua, you know, he would just whip through his progressions and he would zip the ball. Um, but, you know, it's all dependent on Tua, right? He has everything he needs in front of him. He has a great team, a great uh, a great coach, a great and a, and a team that believes in him. So he needs to be able to put it together this season. So I got the, the Dolphins at number six. Yeah, I don't have Miami in my top seven. And wow. to be honest, it's because it's Tua worries me uh. because – for points you said and you touched on i mean he's he's undersized you heard the comps coming into the draft oh this is the lefty drew Brees, and yeah that's exciting to think about but when you think about the logistics of a lefty drew Brees, i just didn't see it happening there's one drew Brees. Right. he's one of the most productive quarterbacks in nfl history he's thrown for what five five thousand yard seasons and a couple of other guys have only done it once so the dude is he's one of one I mean, there's no lefty Drew Brees coming in. There's just an undersized Tua Tagovailoa who is dealing with a hip injury, which, you know, we're lucky if he ever gets back to 100%. I think that the Dolphins took a huge gamble on Tua after a hip injury. We saw, we know hip injuries in the NFL and every other sport. They can be career enders. And it looks like he's back to almost 100%. Um, but now we hear reports of him struggling in training camp. You know, there was one day where he threw five picks. I know that's a big headline maker. And we heard later on in the day that they were really making an effort to push it downfield and it was in the pouring rain. But still, I think that Miami's concerned about Tua. I think that they'll give him another year or two to figure it out before exploring other options. I don't think he's a lock to be an all pro level quarterback. And that's Part of the reason why I don't have Miami. I mean, there was also some, even some grumblings last season of, of like people in the locker room not even believing in Tua. Like he wasn't even the guy. They wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the, the quarterback, and, and that's that was, not a great yeah. sign. you know. I wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to be the quarterback. I thought it was foolish to turn the to turn the ball over to Tua when they were on track to make the playoffs. And, you know, things don't necessarily go their way. He wasn't as productive as they were hoping. And, yes, it was a COVID offseason, so we didn't have a full – year of training camp to prepare that could be different this year but i'm not sold on tua whatsoever moving on to number five i have the indianapolis colts anton you touched on them earlier i'm a big fan of the carson wentz acquisition indies they're just a force on both sides of the ball now jonathan taylor is going to be a top five running back in the league this year in my opinion i'm a big big naheem himes guy i like michael Pittman, ty hilton he's still only 32 years old i believe so if he's healthy he could still be a productive uh, receiver for Carson Wentz. I don't think they'll ask him to do too much. They're going to really rely on the running game. They have one of the best offensive lines in football, and defensively, they're also elite. I think Indy can make, so I think they can make some noise this year. Sorry. Anton, go for it. Okay, so at number five, I have the Tennessee Titans, right? And, I, you know, the, everyone knows they added Julio Jones this offseason, and I started to think, I mean, I don't know how you're going to be able to stop the, uh, the, the Tennessee Titans offense, right? 
they have Derrick Henry, who is probably the best running back in the league, right? He's 6'4". It's, it's, you need at least, you can't just rely on one guy taking him down. You have to load the box up. But then you have to worry about guys like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, right? And Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he is really an unsung hero of that team. I mean, people, you know, he was in Miami for all those years, you know, with uh, with Adam Gase. And then he, you know, everyone thought he died. And then he went out to, he went to Tennessee and they thought it was just some no big acquisition. But he is actually... We know maybe a top 10 quarterback. I, I would say a top 10 quarterback in the league. He's really talented. He can drive the ball downfield. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the Titans can do. Um, you know, they did lose a little bit of punch on their defense, losing Jadavion Clowney, but he wasn't exactly the guy uh, they expected when they got him out of uh, Seattle. So, you know, there's, there's some questions uh, about the Titans, but I think they're a really, really strong team. And uh, Julio Jones, man, I mean, I think him not having to be that number one guy necessarily, or at least have a guy like AJ Brown on his team to help him out. I think those two together will be a scary tandem. And uh, I mean, how are you supposed to guard two huge wide receivers like that? Not a lot of teams have big corners like that who can, uh, who can you know, who can cover them. So I think there'll be matchup nightmares. The Titans are going to be forces in the in the AFC this year. You're just jumping me today. I have Tennessee at number four, and I'm assuming that you have Baltimore at number four because we're yeah. going to have the same top three. So I'll let you go there in a second. But just to add on to what you said, you know, they made a huge splash by trading for Julio Jones, and it was risky with his age and his hamstring is- uh, issues last year. But the man is a warrior. He's my favorite wide receiver in the NFL. I love the move for them. I thought it was a necessary move for them. After losing Corey Davis and Jonu Smith in free agency, they really opened up a lot of targets. Um, The real question in my mind is, can Derrick Henry at, what, 27, 28 years old, handle another 300 to 400 touch workload this season? And I understand the age could be a little deceiving there because he didn't start getting those crazy touches till just a couple of seasons ago, but that's still an age. He's still nearing the death sentence for running backs, which is 28 in the NFL, 28 and on. Obviously, you've got guys like Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, even that dispel that myth. But for a guy that big, his body's bound to start breaking down eventually. The question is, is it this year? Is it next year? Is it the year after that? I think they have a capable guy waiting in the wings in Darrington Evans, but he's no Derrick Henry. So the Titans will go as far as, as Henry can carry them this season. Anton, Talk about Baltimore for a little bit. Convince me why I have them too low. All right, so the Ravens are one of those teams I can understand people don't like them, right? It's, you know, can you really win with Lamar Jackson not having to throw the football? And, you know, here's my thing. You know, Lamar Jackson, year after year, everyone talks about how he's one of the best players in the league. He's the MVP and everything. But when it really comes down to it, can Lamar Jackson win the game with just his arm? And the answer has always been no, right? There hasn't been a single game that I've seen where Lamar Jackson won the game on his own just using his arm. But at the same time, I think that, you know, when you build around your team, you build your team around a guy like Lamar Jackson, you have to let him do his thing, which is, you know, get out of the pocket, um, try to make, let him like, you know, scramble and everything. But the thing with the Ravens that makes me why I like them so much and and to some degree is that they are just such a solid team they're just they're all around they have all these pieces and Lamar Jackson just has that capability of just taking over a game if he really wants to and if he's able to and you know they added uh you know Rashad Bateman and Tylon Wallace and you know Marquise Hollywood Brown didn't exactly pan out how they wanted him to 
Um, but these guys can just catch anything thrown near them. And I think actually a big acquisition that kind of went under the radar is they added Ben Cleveland. You know, he was a guy who's a guard in uh, Georgia and who only allowed one sack and three pressures in his four seasons there, right? You know, he's battling, he's battling down there in the SEC, uh, which makes that even more impressive. And, you know, they have uh, their running game is, you know, outstanding. And J.K. Dobbins, you know, he's a force. Uh, so I'm excited to see what the what the Ravens can do. I don't know if they're gonna be able to uh, to you know leapfrog my next team, but uh, that's why I got the Ravens at number four. They're a really solid team, and Lamar Jackson, you know, despite not being able to throw the ball, he's still a top ten quarterback in the league, and I think that's I think that's something you got to say. And he he has improved slowly over the over the years in terms of his throwing abilities, but it is it is it is definitely his biggest weakness. Yeah, the thing about Lamar is. At this point in his career, I think a lot of people were expecting him to be better throwing the ball. And you look at mobile quarterbacks. How long do they last in the league uh, before an injury takes them out and they don't have their arm to rely on them anymore? Look at Cam Newton right now. He's a shell of himself despite saying, you know, posting repeated offseason videos saying he's 100% healthy for the first time since 2015, 2016. That's another discussion. We'll talk about Cam Newton and the Patriots uh, another episode. But Lamar, I'm just worried. I feel like they didn't get better. I feel like they took a step back this offseason. I don't think the defense is going to be what it was the last few years. And while I'm a huge fan of J.K. Dobbins, I agree. He's a stud. Uh, how many touches are they going to give him? Lamar Jackson's the RB1 on that team. They brought back <laughs> Gus Edwards. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins, he's a force. I would like to see him on a different team. I think mm. he could excel more there. But, you know, we'll see how they do. Um, hopefully they prove me wrong. I don't like rooting for teams to, to fail, even if it is the Baltimore Ravens, uh, notorious rivals of the New England Patriots. Moving on to my number three team, Anton, this is going to make you happy. Yes, I sir. have the Buffalo Bills oh my at God. number three. Wow. Buffalo, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Anton is a huge Cleveland sports fan, and that's why I knew this would make him happy because his team hasn't been mentioned yet in yes, my sir. list. And I've got Buffalo uh, because they didn't do much to improve this offseason in my eyes, which is why they aren't number two in the AFC. Josh Allen, legitimate MVP candidate. I was super high on him heading into the year. Uh, I've got the receipts to back that up. I had him taking the next step, and he did more than that. He was, in my opinion, a top two, top three quarterback in the league in 2020. Uh, they did add Emmanuel Sanders to bolster their wide receiver core. And I like Gabriel Davis, but I don't see enough improvement on either side of the ball to feel that excited about the Bills this year. Like what we saw from Josh Allen last season, is it going to be the consistency? Are, are we going to get that year in, year out? Or was it just a crazy breakout season and he takes a step back this year? He's going to have to play at the level he played at last year for them to be a contender. And you know, he doesn't have as much to rely on around him as a couple of other guys on this list and a couple of other teams on this list. Anton, who's number three for you? Well, you know, you actually, you, you took my answer. I mean, I was going to have, I have the Bills uh, number three. You know, um, the reason why is because I think the Bills are a really, really strong team. And they have, they have Josh Allen, yes, and they also have, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs, is that right? Oh my God, am I? Yes, I feel like I feel like I feel like Allen to Diggs was the best wide receiver quarterback or quarterback wide receiver duo in the league last year. Yeah, and I, you know, if anything, you know, everyone talks about how Josh Allen made this huge leap last year and how he, you know, he did, and he did, he did have a great leap, and I think a lot of it had to do with his mechanics changed dramatically. 
Um, but I think Stefan Diggs made a made a huge impact on that team. Uh, being that clear number one uh, for Josh Allen was someone uh, was something that he really needed, right? I mean, could he have done the same thing with just Cole Beasley? Ah, who knows, right? But um, the thing is, is for me, is the Bills. You know, they just don't really have that nuclear weapon sort of guy on their team. They don't really have a guy that can just, you know, uh, that's just like a clear matchup nightmare besides Josh Allen. His size, his ability to to sling the ball downfield. Um, you know, he's definitely a top five quarterback in the league. But, you know, I feel like their team is, is, is solid, but it d- doesn't scream elite to me. And then for that reason, that's why I have the Bills at number three. I agree. I, I... With that assessment, I think, you know, you look at Josh Allen, that's an elite quarterback surrounded by an above average supporting cast. And you look at the two teams ahead of him, and I think you have maybe not as good a quarterback next, who I'll touch upon, but Ah. surrounded by an elite, elite supporting cast. That is, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, This is a hot take. I knew you were going to have them this high, Anton, but I wanted to make you a little happy uh, by having them this high as well. Um, Baker Mayfield, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league in the second half of last season. Yes, sir. I know this because Anton will not stop letting me <laughs> hear about it uh, in our group conversations. But it's true. When you look into the advanced stats, Baker was one of the best in the second half of the 2020 season. OBJ is healthy, and they have the best one-two punch in the NFL, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, in my opinion, top three running back in the league. He's my favorite running back in the league, and Kareem Hunt, extremely versatile. Uh, we know how good he is. And then on the other side of the ball, they greatly improved their defense through the draft. Greg Newsom from Northwestern, JOK out of Notre Dame. They signed Jadavion Clowney, and he doesn't have to be the Jadavion Clowney of past. Um, he just has to be a really good pass rusher or even a complimentary pass rusher to a guy like Miles Garrett. Uh, Anton, I'm going to let you talk more about the Browns, but they're scary. And I think that they, I tweeted out a couple days ago, I think they could win the Super Bowl this year, and I'm standing by that. The, the Browns, man, listen, I am a diehard Cleveland Browns fan, and I, and I will be honest, okay? Maybe every season, even if they go 0-16, I think day one of the season, we're winning the Super Bowl, right? I always think that somewhere in my heart, there's a point zero 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 one percent chance maybe they'll win, right? But this year, I actually think, Maybe there's a chance. And here are the reasons why. Number one, they have a quarterback, someone they can actually believe in. I have watched the Browns my whole life, and I can't remember watching the same quarterback play for like more than one year at a time. So that's really exciting. And they have a guy like Baker Mayfield who is he's energetic and he has that presence that just gravitate that you know he's you know he he's he's gravitating and and he he turns a lot of heads and he has some pretty spicy headlines in terms of the things he says but you know in the, in the years recently he's really matured i think as a, as a as a player and he actually mentioned it on live tv how he needs to be a better leader how he needs to take more responsibility more accountability and i think he did that this season i think he did a he took a really big leap um and i think here's a, one of those little things that really shows his commitment i think you know one thing is that uh, he got in a fantastic shape. He's holding these little mini camps for uh, with his wide receivers out in Texas, um, and they all, yeah, like you mentioned, they they really bolstered their defense. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is that Miles Garrett has never really had a full season. Okay, um, you know, the fir- you know first year, you know, they're zero sixteen, whatever, and then the next season, you know, there was of course, uh, you know, well, the point is that Miles Garrett, I think, is one of the best 
defensive ends in the whole league and he is an absolute menace there is a video of him chasing down mccall hardman in the in the in the divisional round and mccall is one of the fastest dudes in the league and miles garrett is a 6-4 edge rusher right he is an absolute beast he had like 10 sacks through like eight games last season but then he got hit with covid and then it wasn't really quite the same um but the browns overall they i love Ke- i love what kevin Stefanski is doing i think what they're what what the, with the pieces they've added you know they have greedy williams denzel ward um they have guys that really fit joe woods's offensive uh sorry defensive uh scheme which is you know four rushers and then you drop everyone back in coverage and you make them make them make the uh tight throws so i think cleveland has a really good chance and quite honestly in my opinion, if you if if you take away that Rashard Higgins touchback last season, do the Browns win that game? Um, I think they do, and I think they put up a much better fight than the Bills did, and they the, the Bills played at home. So uh, I think the Browns are going to be a force to uh, to reckon with. I'm really excited to see what OBJ does, um, and actually I think I'm really excited to see what uh, Anthony Walker. Not Anthony Walker, is that right? Uh, out of Auburn, he's like the really speedy guy. He is he's like a he's like a Tyreek Hill speed kind of guy. If you watch his highlights, it's like he's running and everyone else is running at a different speed. So I'm really excited to see what the Browns can do this season. I think they have the best chance uh, to take down the Chiefs. I think they have the system. They have Joe Woods, uh, who knows how to play Patrick Mahomes. He played him once. Uh, you know, he faced him in the Super Bowl back in 2019. Um, so I'm really excited for the Browns this season. Baker Mayfield, a full off season with his team obj it's gonna be great browns super bowl 2022 we're coming in february here we come i'm telling you all right all right i also have a lot of family half of my family is from cleveland anton knows this so i'm a i'm a half browns fan as well yes sir that's enough that's enough browns talk. <laughs> well we'll get into that uh in an nba episode not the browns but their uh their nba affiliate the cleveland cavaliers because they have a very high draft pick that Anton and I have had some very interesting conversations about. But we're talking football here. We've got one team to talk about, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs at number one. Both of us have it. There's not much to say. You know, you look at the Chiefs last year, what was their biggest hole? Offensive line. They did some cap magic and figured out how to bring in one of the best guards in the game in Joe Tooney to shore that up. So now they pretty much have zero holes. And not only that, but they have, in my opinion, the most talented quarterback of all time, just entering his prime, Patrick Mahomes. There's not much more for me to say. Kansas City, uh, unless Mahomes is severely injured, is the team that the AFC will run through for the next 10 15 years as long as he's with them anton you got anything to add to that no that's about it. i mean you kind of cover everything the chiefs have patrick mahomes that's that's all you need to say right patrick mahomes is that guy right no one's getting a 500 million dollar contract for no reason right this guy is you know he may be the greatest of all time honestly um some of the things that he does on the football field i mean everyone knows that play where he like is horizontal to the field throws the ball down in, in the super bowl and quite if you if you watch the rest of that play, the ball should have been caught for a touchdown. And I and that's the craziest part is that not only did was he able to make that sort of throw, that athletic play, but he actually made the right play. And it almost, you know, he almost benefited his team from it. And that is just unbelievable stuff, right? Um Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I there's not there's not enough I could say about him. He's truly special. You know, he has the mobility, he has the arm talent, uh, he has that leadership, he has that drive to win. He is going to be a very special player, and I'm really excited to watch him for the next 10 years. He's going to be 
absolutely fantastic. So the Chiefs obviously going to be number one in the AFC. All right, so that's going to wrap up our top 14 teams, seven for each conference in our preseason NFL power rankings. Anton, now I asked you before to come with one sleeper team that's not in these top 14 teams you think could make some noise this season. I'll let you say who it is first before giving mine. So I kind of have two teams that I, I was thinking about. All right, so we're running out of time. So so go. All right, quick. okay, okay, go quick. Okay, number okay, I guess number one, I gotta say, I gotta say, Denver Broncos. Right, Denver Broncos are a very stacked team. They have a really big question mark in Drew Lock as their quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is coming in, and if Teddy Bridgewater wants Teddy Bridgewater wants to prove that he was that guy, he was the guy that should have been in Minnesota and taken over, except for that horrible injury in practice. This is the team. This is the time to do it. So I got Denver Broncos maybe as one team. And secondly, I got to go with the Carolina Panthers, man. I love what Matt Rule is doing. You know, Matt Rule transformed Baylor, and it took a couple years for them to do it. And now they have Sam Darnold, right? People thought Sam Darnold is nobody, right? But Sam Darnold's a a great player. I mean, he showed some great flashes uh, in New York. And they have Christian McCaffrey, you know, Gosh, I'm just blanking out right now. But there's, they have so many great players, and I think uh, the Panthers could definitely make some noise. Um, so that's my, those are my two sleepers, the Panthers and the Broncos. All right, so I came with two quick ones as well. Uh, I also had the Denver Broncos, Anton. Uh, they were my sleeper team last year, and then obviously a lot of key injuries <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work out for them. But this year, if everyone can stay healthy, and especially if they land Aaron Rodgers, if they land Aaron Rodgers, oh, they're yeah. going to be a top-four team in this uh, in this conference, in the AFC. But uh, without Aaron Rodgers, I think Teddy Ridgewater, you look at Drew Locke last year, he was out of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL – the most inaccurate he was the least accurate quarterback in the national football league whereas you bring in teddy bridgewater i think he jumped him up by 12 percentages i think drew lock was hovering around 57 percent completion rate and uh teddy bridgewater was right around 69 70 so that shows the duality of their options they want a bigger arm you can go with drew lock they want a more consistent arm you go with teddy bridgewater and they have one of the best offensive units in the league jerry judy Obviously struggled with drops last year, but he's coming back and he's going to be helped out by the return from of of Cortland Sutton coming back from an ACL tear. Uh, Noah Fant is a really good tight end. Melvin Gordon's still a good running back despite what some people want to say. And they drafted Javante Williams, who a lot of people are high on. So this Denver offense and their defense, we know how good they are uh, under Vic Fangio. This is going to be a, a really good Denver team, regardless of if they get Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers or not. And then the second team I had, the New England Patriots, my hometown team. They improved greatly in the offseason. They bolstered both sides of the football. The question is, can Ken Newton be anything but a shell of himself? Can he show <laughs> some of that 2015-2016 magic? And if not, do they go to Mac Jones and how will the rookie do? But if they can get someone who can consistently hit the two tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, that team's going to be dangerous because they're going to be able to move the ball. Their running game we know is deadly. Their defense, they added a bunch of big-time playmakers. I referenced Matt Judon earlier on. Um, I'm a big fan of the Patriots, uh, and I think that they're going to make some noise this year as well. So that is going to wrap up Episode 2 of Hail Marys and Hoops. Anton, Thank you for joining us once again. Can you drop your socials one more time so people can follow you? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Anton Lee with two underscores following that. It's Anton Lee, A-N-T-O-N-L-E-E, followed by two underscores. Awesome. Anton, thank you so much. We'll be back next week with an NBA offseason preview once a champion is crowned. 
Will the Suns be able to hold off the Bucks? I don't know. We'll talk about it next week after we see the result. See y'all then.